Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the Catherine B. Roy Show, where passion meets profit and dreams turn into flourishing businesses. I'm your host, Catherine B. Roy. I'm thrilled to introduce you to extraordinary high achievers, Nobel Peace Prize and Emmy winners, Premier League and NFL players, best-selling authors, seven-figures business owners, coaches, consultants, therapists, and a plethora of brilliant minds. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to making our world a better place. Expect inspiration, practical tools, and positivity. But that's not all. In the spirit of growth, don't forget to explore the valuable resources shared in the episode description. Whether you're here to learn or collaborate, this podcast has something special just for you. My guest today is Barbara Vercruz. Barbara is a global kindness advocate, mentor, personal coach, business consultant, thought leader, and public speaker. She is the founder of the BV Empowerment and Kindness Institute, where her mission is to offer individuals and organizations tools and insights to lead with kindness and compassion. She has been an entrepreneur for more than 25 years, and since surviving stage 4 cancer 20 years ago, she has been committed to leaving a positive legacy through bringing a message of the need for more kindness and compassion in all layers of society. She always combines practicality with profound wisdom. Barbara's eagerly anticipated book, The Path of Powerful Kindness, is set to be released on November 15th. To celebrate the launch, she's offering a 24-hour special launch promotion. You can grab the Kindle version at a 50% discount, just $4.99 instead of the regular $9.99. And here's an added bonus. The first 50 early birds will have the chance to receive a signed copy of the book. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. I'll share the link in the description below. Let's dive in. My dear Barbara, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Catherine. When I'm with you, I'm doing great. I'm very grateful to be here. You know, feelings are mutual. I adore you and I adore your work. But let us open up with your story. I'm very well familiar with it and it always touches my heart and I would like my audience to know a little bit more about you, please. Yes. Um, the question that I get many times is that people ask me why I am so passionate to bring a message of powerful kindness, um, because it's not something that you hear so often. And I always have to start with, you know, like that catalyst moment in my life, my the moment that like shifted so much, and that was being faced with death so sudden. So in 2003, 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with the stage four skin cancer at the age of 32. And I was told practically that I had no more than six months to live. My children were very young, three and a half, two and a half, and a newborn baby. My husband and I had been married for five years, and we were running since five years a construction business. So as you can imagine, you know, like it was the 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 heaven fall down on us. Uh, it was a complete, complete, um, you know, like shake in our life. And we were in, in complete shock, especially the first days. And I had some very powerful lessons from that experience. 
first of all, of course, those first days, you are like in some kind of, you are numb because that news, you, you do not realize that it's real. I was not sick. I had a black spot on my knee that they had done a biopsy and seemed to be cancer. And I had metastasis in all my lymph nodes in my um, in my leg. So since you don't feel sick, in the beginning, it 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 just doesn't enter your mind that what the doctor says is true. You are, you know, like probably you won't be alive for the end of the year. So my I was like, oh my God. And those first nights in the hospital, um, you could say were the hardest ones. I was there alone, no family. Uh, the kids were not with me for the first time um, since they were born almost. And you have that time to reflect. So I was laying there looking at the ceiling in my hospital bed and I felt very, very much alone and missing my babies and the family life. And at a certain moment, I very easily made like that mind shift and told myself, well, Barbara, where the kids, they are right now, they are happy and they are surrounded with love. They were so little, they were so young that they didn't realize what was happening. So they were with my parents, with my parents-in-law. So for them, it was like a holiday. So I told myself, no use in crying, no use in getting depressed because it will only weaken you. It will, it won't help you. The kids are very well where they are. Mm -hmm. They are like enjoying themselves, not being aware of the, the horrible situation. So I told myself, okay, I have it within my power. I knew there was one thing that I had within my power. And it was the power over my thoughts. It was within my power to focus on depressed thoughts or it was in my power to focus on positive thoughts. So I made a conscious decision mm -hmm. to focus on positive things only. I know that that would have an effect on my health. You know, like for in hospital, I put my face in the doctors for the surgeries, for the chemotherapy. But I knew that uh, me also, I could have an effect on my own, you know, like well-being. And it was just in staying positive, in not allowing negativity or depression overpower me. So that was something that I, that I hadn't had such a clear view on before. I had never really been very conscious about the power of my thoughts. And at that moment, it like became very clear. And the second thing that became very clear was that, you know, all those days in hospital, you think, what if? What if I die at the end of the year? Will I be happy with my legacy? And the answer at 32 was no, I wouldn't be happy. Because until then, I have lived up to the expectations of other people. Like many of us, you go to, you know, like you go to college, you marry, you start a business, you get kids. And it's not that I was unhappy. 
at all. I was not unhappy. But those choices were unconscious choices. So I promised myself that if I would survive, I would start building a positive legacy. I would start reconnecting with a part of me that I had lost since childhood. And that was the part of the kindness. Since childhood, I had been called too kind. People would say, Barbara, you are too kind. You will never be successful. You will never, you know, like achieve anything in this life. You're too kind. And since small girl, I, I couldn't understand. What does that mean? You're too kind. Did I have to become less kind? What planet are we on that you have to be less kind to survive? And really in having that wake up call in surviving, in, in having the cancer and then surviving the cancer, it became my mission to bring into the world a message of powerful kindness, of the power of kindness and that kindness is not weakness. So that's really the circle that with having that wake up call, I came back, you could say, to my soul's mission. And we say it was a kind of awakening? You could say it was something that was, you could, as a child, I was very spiritual. I would always see, you know, like the light in people. I, when I, I will share a story. When I was seven years old, um, I went to church. I just had done my first communion. Um, we were raised Catholic. And one Sunday, my, my parents couldn't join me. So I went on my own. I was seven years old. Um, the church was not too far from home. And I was sitting on the first row. And I still remember. It was the first time that I heard the story of turn the other cheek. So that when someone slaps you on the left cheek, turn the right cheek. And as a child, I felt such a homecoming. I started like having tears in my eyes and I was like, yes, that's me. Turn the other cheek. Do not lower yourself in the aggression or rudeness of the other person. But it took me, you know, like with the with having the cancer and with getting more maturity to having the deep sense of turning the other cheek. Because many people think if you turn the other cheek, you're a doormat. And that is, it couldn't be farther from truth. Because when you stay calm and centered and peaceful, somebody slaps you and you stay calm You don't allow the aggression of the other person to overpower you. And you turn the other cheek with compassion for the state of the other person. There's nothing more powerful than that. So you could say it was something that was within me from childhood. But with being so ill, it had re-emerged. Re And I had one particular um you could say, spiritual moment in hospital. And that was after my second surgery. I, I was in very much pain. I was in so, so much pain. And I was thinking, okay, 
can we even have more pain? I was so, you could say, fighting against the pain. And at a certain moment when you have so much pain, there came a moment of surrendering. I was like, okay, if I have to end it right now like this, take me. It's over. And I was like saying to God or universe, whatever, take me. I'm okay. And at that moment, when I let go of all of my resistance to the pain, I felt this enormous in, in the hospital room, this, this warm presence, the room was lighting up and just, it was not really a voice, but it was a sense, something I sensed that said, all will be well, all will be well. And having that, you know, like that complete reconnection with the unconditional love that we are in that moment. And it never have left me ever since. Of course, I can be in the rut and routine and sometimes the stress of the day, but I can easily come back to it. So was it an awakening? Kind of. It was maybe a homecoming to a kind of natural state. You just shared it so beautiful. And and like as I mentioned, I am familiar with your story, but it always deeply touched my heart. And um you mentioned powerful kindness. Mm-hmm. When we talk about kindness, um people usually confuse being kind with being nice mm-hmm. and being kind yes. with being weak. Mm-hmm. Would you like to share a little bit about that yes we go yes deeper. absolutely and 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 firstly on the being on the kindness and the niceness uh, people you know like they mistake the one for the other being nice is something that we are taught by society we are nice to the old man in the bus we get up we are nice to the elderly lady in the grocery store we help um Some people are even nice to a rude boss because they are afraid. So niceness is more fear-based and convention-based. It's fear-based in a situation that even if your boss would be rude to you, you're like smiling and nodding because you're afraid to lose your job. You know, like some people have that, like they're they're even, you know, like humiliated and they're like this. So that is operating from a very powerless and weak place because you're allowing something out of fear where kindness is fully love-based. When that same boss would be rude to you, And you would, kindness is always first self-kindness. If you want to respond in a kind way, you speak up for yourself. You can say, I do not have, have to allow this behavior. But you can do that in a kind way. You can do that in a way that you see that your rude boss is hiding insecurities. That his rudeness is mental imbalance. And when you see that, you can look through the personality traits from that person. Then you stay in your power because his behavior does not affect you. And if he gets even ruder, you know, you you can really take distance. 
And to fight or to discuss, you have to be two. If one is not reacting, nothing happens. You really have to, you know, like you don't have the action reaction. You have somebody who says, and then it's in the end, it just dissolves. But you can speak up. You can say, okay, I do not allow this behavior. I will not accept this. Or maybe we can talk within an hour when everything is has calmed down. We do not have to continue this conversation now. Or I do not feel like this is a constructive conversation. Or let's turn it into something positive. I hear your point. These are powerful and kind responses. And that's very different from being nice, more like shoulders down, afraid for the other person, but you're like nice, or being powerfully kind and saying, okay, I get your point. Let's turn this into a constructive conversation. If that's not possible, I will leave the room right now. And you haven't been rude, you haven't been yelling, you have not done anything. You just have stayed in your own power, in your own light, and in your own positivity without being affected. So that's the big difference between kindness and niceness. So, And also showing how kindness is very far from being weak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But usually people think that when we are too kind... That mm -hmm. we're weak, that we're not strong. Mm -hmm. While mm -hmm. you are talking about powerful kindness. Mm -hmm. So yes. why yes. is kindness so powerful? And in the new age leadership, how mm -hmm. can powerful kindness help us, especially these times of uncertainty? Yes. yes. I think um, as a leader, when you're in a leadership position, and I think every one of us, is in one way or another in a leadership position. If you're a mom, you're in a leadership position. Um, if you're a teacher, you're in a leadership position. Wherever you are at work, you uh, are a role model. And I strongly believe in role models. So having that powerful kindness requires balance and maturity because we have to step out of the action-reaction you know, somebody says something and we have that first, we are triggered and we are really, you could say, like more slave of our impulses. We react back and then it just escalates and it leads to nothing because two egos are um, just wanting to be right. If you are kind in a powerful way, you are always thinking about the long term relationship with that person the long-term results you want whether it's with your team whether it's with your children um, I'm giving an example and then you can look beyond you know like that that one situation maybe that person has a bad day that's okay no big deal you look things things in perspective and you don't take it personal it's not because somebody gives you a bad comment that you have to go into drama. Your mind wants to do that, you know, that's what's your mind, love the soap, you know, like around your character. But once you have that awareness, you, you can leave the words of the other person as a reflection of who they are. Mm -hmm. 
It's a reflection of them. And then you are in your situation. You have, you know, look, your your power, your um, whether you're in a managing position, whether you're as a parent, you think, how can we move on in the best possible way in this situation? And mostly it is with maybe the person has to vent and then you move on. But it's not in participating in the negativity or in the rudeness and have like some never ending story because it will lead you nowhere. So that balance, that maturity gives you, um, you could say you are the master of that conversation because you, you stay on track. This is where we want to go to. This is our direction. And you can show that example and the other person once you have learned to set those boundaries, like I do not accept this behavior, we will turn that around. Um, you know, I've been working with BMW for a long time now, and that's really how we have integrated that in the working culture. Somebody, you can vent. You can always vent. There's a situation you are frustrated. Let it, somebody can vent. But then we say, okay, this is the situation. What can we do about it? How can we have bring forth positive results? Somebody can, you know, like release emotions. The emotions are released. And then we look at the situation in a mature way, like looking at it in a neutral way. How can we move on? And that's how you lead. That's how you show your, you could say, equanimity, that you're unshakable, that you're, um, you know, like good in your skin. You don't take it personally. Even, you know, I'm in many meetings with 90% males and many alpha males who would go like loud or I can just say in gentle way, hold it now and listen and do it in my gentle way, but still make them listen. And I think that's important that you have your own way and that they learn that you don't have to be loud to make an impression, that you don't have to boast to make an impression, that in, in modeling that for others, you model a new way of, you know, like getting along with people. I think that's, that's, that modeling is, is very important. You know, for the, all these years that I have known you, and um, that I was following your work, I was always thinking how world would look like if everyone just knew this way, mm -hmm. the way that you represent, because that was new for me, I will be honest. And, um, you know, I was in corporation 15 years. Mm -hmm. There is hier hierarchy, there is, mm -hmm. you know, the way mm -hmm. people communicate mm -hmm. and uh, I've learned from you a lot and mm -hmm. I've I'm behaving that way and a lot of things have changed so um, I'm very happy to mention that you wrote a book mm -hmm. The Path of Powerful Kindness Mm -hmm. And um, I would like you to share a little bit more about that because that's actually how this way can, you know, be seen, read by 
a lot more people so we all can get aware on the level that you are for for a long time okay well i'm i'm very i'm i'm, I'm very happy that the book is out um i'm very happy that i found um the time the 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 whole flow of the book and i think the reader by the hand from a place of um being called too kind maybe the reader has been called too kind or the reader has put on a mask of arrogance because he he or she thinks that he or she needs that to survive in the world so for both people for people who are still too kind or those who lost some kind of purity and had to put on a mask to survive for both of them. I take them by the hand and show them first through the stories from my personal overcoming challenges, then stories of very powerful, kind people that I shared, people who survived in the Second World War, who survived um, concentration camps. Some of them used already that powerful kindness and really show people how people in the most horrible circumstances reacted with kindness and compassion, which is for us, you know, like, whoa, how can you do that? So taking them, first of all, in you know, like we reconnect kindness with power and in you know like in the beginning and when people see that then we take them like okay when you reconnect kindness with power then what's next to be powerful powerfully for kind you have to be in balance and a certain level of maturity then you have to be very aware of um your your beliefs you had and being able to question the beliefs you had breaking the illusion maybe that you lived in and then being aware that each one of us we can be a change maker and then in the second part of the book um throughout the books i give people like at the end of every chapter like insights and exercises or because everything is a training i am not um I didn't like in one day um, embody kindness of embody, you know, like the leadership style that I have now. It's like 10, 15, 20 years of practicing every day again. And your bigger, biggest teachers are the people close to you, your husband, your children um, at work, your mom, your mother-in-law, um, your sister who annoys you. Those are the moments each time again, it's an opportunity for you to learn how to be powerfully kind. And in the second part of the book, I invite people to make kind-based choices as um, a way to create a better future for humanity, inviting them to choose collaboration rather than competition, inviting them to choose to have a reverence for life instead of dom domination, choosing them to nurture life or planet rather than exhaustion. And uh, the most powerful one, choosing humility over hubris because they're, the truest sign of a leader for me is that humility, knowing that we are here for a short period of time. We know 
this universe has been existing for millions or billions of years. So we are here for 80 or 90 years, and we think we are so important. Well, having the humility, we come here into this life naked. We will die naked again. We will not take any material possession. So what can we do in that time span? The most beautiful thing we can do is leave the world a better place than we found it for the future generations, not operating from a very short term, you could say limited perspective. I want it. I want it now. I feel insecure. So I need all the titles and the money and, you know, like, and the followers and whatever to fill that void of insecurity. No, it's raising your awareness. You are enough. You are worthy already. You do not need all of that to be someone. And it's not about, um, of course, it's very, it's, it's very powerful. And um, that striving for excellence, there's a very big difference. When you, from, you, you share your gifts from within you to share with the world, then chasing fame or chasing success. You are a success. You were born a success. You have gifts. And in sharing those gifts, you are a success. You do not need a bling bling for that. If you look at a rose, a rose is magnificent just by blossoming. It doesn't need any earrings, any bling bling, any, you know, like it just blossoms. So that's what we can do with our gifts. And once we do that, we approach life in a very different way, in a more humble way. We're here to serve. We're here to share our gifts and to make, you know, like the environment. It's not that we all have to reach millions of people every day. Just start with your environment, with your family. If you cannot leave a positive legacy in your family, then, well, don't try further. Just start there. Start small. And then, you know, like create a ripple effect and then go wider. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's in a nutshell, my book. Your book is magnificent and I can't wait for it to see the sunlight. Um, we will announce now that the publishing date is in the mid-November. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we would like to invite my audience and everyone who is listening and watching this to sign up for a waiting list for a publishing date. Uh, would you like to share something about that? Because yeah, I am excited, but it's your book. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm truly, truly excited. So we're launching November fifteenth, and a few days before that, um, we will open. You know, like um, uh, a page to for pre-sales where you will have, um, of course, a beautiful discount if you order in pre-sales. Um, just you know, like to thank you for for your trust and your faith in um and for me as a thank you for purchasing the book and you could say for me it's not about me it's not about me at all it's for me about the message and the more people hear the message the more people find that new way of being kind in a powerful way with setting boundaries but with that maturity to see through you could say some 
personality traits of the other person, you know, really rising above it, that would be the, the biggest gift because there would be no more wars. People would just not see the point of fighting if they would fully understand that we are all connected, that we are all in the same, you could say, same boat. And that um, when we fight, you could say it's we're, we're one big body, then it's that finger hurting that finger, not realizing that it's the same body. So people fighting is really um, what you do unto another, you do unto yourself. And once people fully, fully grasp that if you hate someone, it's the hatred in your heart that hurts you. If you hurt someone, it's the hurt in yourself that does this. So if you have healed internally your wounds and you live from that powerful place of love, you can see, you feel compassion. You feel compassion either for people who hate you because the hate does not affect you, but you can see how it affects their lives. And all you can do is, is um, you know, that that leadership, leading by, by example. And you will read in the book, one of my biggest examples is Martin Luther King Jr. And there he says, um, love the oppressor, which is the most difficult thing to do. He says, he said, as a black man, the white man does not need our hatred. The white man needs our love. And how powerful is that? That somebody that you think is your enemy, that somebody you think is against you, that you have the power within you, that you are so fully in your love and light that you send that person love. And that is legacy. Yes. <laughs> it's it's just passing on, you know, like it's passing on. It's it's, it's the message from from those before us just passing on. And it's so beautiful. Um I wanna thank you from the core of my heart for being my guest. I truly enjoyed this conversation and I hope you did too. Yes, thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you, Barbara. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of The Catherine B. Roy Show. Remember, the journey doesn't end here. Dive into the episode description to access additional resources and connect with me, Catherine B. Roy. Whether it's business growth, personal development, or simply making the world a better place, we're in this together. Subscribe, write a review for The Catherine B. Roy Show. Share it with your loved ones and stay tuned for more remarkable guests and valuable insights. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams and turning your passions into thriving businesses. This is Catherine B. Roy, signing off. <laughs>